Well, good evening, everybody. It's great to see you all here. Oh, I'm going to turn like this. How's that? There we go. <laughs> Zach's fine. Well, it's my pleasure to um, speak to you on the last night of our discipleship, on the ABCDs of discipleship. Um, it's with great joy that I get to present this to you and speak to you guys, and I really hope that whatever I say, um, it's for someone here. I've been praying over this for a very long time, and um, it took a time to get here, but obviously it's meant for someone, so that's good. Um, I want to read you a little story that I came across um, few weeks ago when I was looking at discipleship. Um, and it's a funny little story. It's about dominoes. So as you can see, I've got my dominoes. They're the Woolworths ones because that's all I could find with like the little, you know, the Finding Nemo stuff on them. But that's all right. They're dominoes. So on Monday, August the 18th, 2003, a 24-year-old woman from China toppled over 303,621 dominoes breaking the long-standing record of the world's longest solo domino topple. Beijing-born Ma Lin broke the 19-year-old record set by a German... I'm going to leave his name, the German man, who set up and toppled 281,581 dominoes. There was a time when I was not feeling well, but I had a goal to achieve, so I continue to prevail, said Ma, who calls herself a dominologist. Ma said she put 13 hours a day for nearly seven weeks to lay out all the dominoes. Bugs and rats meddled with her work. In one instance, a bug knocked over 10,000 tiles. Organisers spread pungent leaves from local trees throughout its insect repellent um, around the Singapore Expo, Expo Hall, where Ma staged the record attempt. They also laid down rat traps, and it took over, but it just took over four minutes to knock down the series of white, red, and yellow tiles that revealed the world, world, world record and images of electronic appliances. So, exactly how does a domino topple work? Sorry, Grace, can you bring me more water? You see, it begins with one domino falling over to impact another domino, which falls over to impact another domino, and so on and so on and so forth until the whole dominoes have toppled over. A domino effect, in essence, brings one domino, begins with one domino who impacts a whole heap of others, and that domino impacts another, and so the original domino not only impacts one domino, but impacts all the other dominoes. Do we get that? That's a little bit confusing. <laughs> There's a lot of impacting. So, how does this story about dominoes refer to discipling? Well, if we take it as if I discipled someone else and then they discipled someone else, we create a domino effect. We're going to um, jump into our text from Matthew, if you've got your devices out, or if you've got your Bibles, or you can look on the screen. So we're looking at Matthew um, 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. 
Jesus calls us all to disciple others. He says it quite bluntly, go and make disciples. And he gives us the authority that's in him becomes to us, through us, goes to him. And he asks us to go out and to teach others. He wants us to teach others how to hear God. He wants us to teach others how to feel God. He wants us to see how, teach them people how they can see God move in their lives and to use the gifts of the spirits. And he wants us to show them that God is bigger in all circumstances. But sometimes in this day and age that we have, we are limited on how much we can disciple people. And don't get me wrong, when you actually get time to invest in someone and you get to see them grow in the Lord and when you get to see them commit their life to Jesus, it's an absolutely, it's a privilege. It's the biggest joy. It's like you have this little baby, a discipleship baby, and it's pretty cool. But we live in a world, as I said before, that's just constantly fast going. We spend more time on our Facebook talking to people. I mean, I spoke to someone that I haven't seen in 15 years and they knew everything that had been going on in my life, basically, because of Facebook. We don't have the connection that we used to have. We don't know our next-door neighbour anymore. So how do we, as people of God, disciple others and make sure that the kingdom grows? It comes down to how we live our life and how we shine the light for Christ. We, um, I had this encounter, not encounter, I had this discussion with a dad at school one day um, when Grace was in year two, when she would allow me to go to her classroom and wait for her. Um, we would go and I'd get there about 10 minutes early and we'd just sit there and talk for the other mums and dads and, you know, have a bit of a conversation of what was going on in our daily life. And there was this gentleman that had been recently divorced. So he only came, he had shared custody, so he only came every second week. And we just started up a bit of a conversation, you know, how's your day kind of thing. And one day he said to me, oh, what do you do for a living? And I said, I work here at Powerful Gardens, United Church. I do the admin and, you know, the bits and pieces that need to be done. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a labourer, blah, blah, blah. Next week he came and he said to me, can I ask you some questions? I said, yeah, if I can answer them, that's fine. He said, if I was to go to church, what would I wear? Because he doesn't own heaps of really good clothes. He's a labourer. He has maybe a pair of jeans. You know, he doesn't have a whole heap of good clothes. And from what he can remember, when you went to church, you went in your Sunday best. And I looked at him, and I looked at what I was wearing, and I was wearing shorts and thongs, and I went, this is what I go in. I don't dress up because I go exactly how I am. And then he asked me a few questions about the Bible and um, I answered them as best as I could and then he asked me some stuff about, um, you know, do they have it in different, what, there's different versions and I, I just, uh, it was very, like, like, you know, weren't the most riveting questions that I've ever answered. And I left it at that. About a month later he came back to me and he said, oh, I attend a church on Sunday. I went to the church, I was, you know, the one that, I don't know, there's one attached to Tyndale? Sorry? Yeah, Gateway. I went to Gateway. So the girls really loved it. I went, oh, that's awesome. That's great. 
He said, you know, I just rocked up and they were really welcoming. I'm like, that's fantastic. A few weeks later, came back. I'm starting a Bible group. We're reading the Bible. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's so cool. Like, well done. About two months later, he came back and he said, I gave my life to Jesus on Sunday. And I kind of went, oh my gosh. Teary. My first baby. Um, <laughs> um, and I went, oh my gosh. I had literally spent... 30 minutes not even talking to him about how I felt about me being a Christian and what I thought Jesus was about and what I thought God was about. And he took that and he went with it. And I'm, we're nothing like Jesus. We can't turn around and go to someone, hey, Peter and Andrew, come be fisher of men. And they get out their boat and they follow him. That's not what's going to happen for us. And we're in a time where we... People don't want to be pushed Christianity. They don't want it shoved down their throat. They don't want it. They want to find it for themselves. And I think that the way that we can disciple people in this time and this age is to really... Um, well, I'm going to go to Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp... Oh, sorry, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and give it a light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father's name. We need to shine Jesus' light. We need to shine it so people can see how good God is just from how we interact. And I'm not only saying the interaction of, you know, me speaking to Zach, I'm saying about what we put out into the world what we put on Facebook, what we put on social media. Let it shine Jesus' light because when we put out negative stuff, it doesn't shine well. We're putting a bowl over it. And when we have those little tiny experiences, you really don't know what's going to happen. You may push one over and nothing happens. Can you see? Sorry, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna see if this works. Or your next experience. We're gonna get them all down. <laughs> you just never know what's gonna happen. And you know what? When I started as a Christian, I was so scared to talk about my faith and so scared to put it out there that I was a Christian. But now, hey, like everyone in that basketball club that I'm a that I'm knows that I go to church. Everyone knows what I believe. They even said something to Brent on Saturday night that I, you know, go to try and go say, telling everyone you go to church. I'm like, no, they just know. Like, I'm not scared about it. I don't hide it. I don't hide my light for Jesus because I love him so much and I want his kingdom to grow. And you know what? I think everyone should be able to find out how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. And when we shine that light, he can see it. And you know what? We also need to um, pray about it. If we look at Luke 10:2, Jesus said to his disciples, these are the instructions for you. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who may cha who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into, his, into this field. I'm going to take this as, 
You need to pray about it. If you work in a situation like me that you are surrounded by Christians all the time, have that experience and have that conversation with a checkout person. Hey, you know, had a busy day? Oh, yeah, you know, lots of people coming through. I went to, what did you do? I went to church. Oh, which church did you go to? I've had them like that. It's just the simplest thing where we, if we pray about it and say, God, just bring the people. Maybe there's a person out there that's hungry, really hungry to know God, but doesn't know where to go. It might be that one encounter with you where you step forward and go, I go to Parafool Gardens or, you know, this is what I believe. That might trigger someone and something in someone. That little thing. So, as we go tonight, I just ask you to pray to bring people into your life where you can have those experiences, whether it be able to walk a path with them and you get to actually go through that high discipleship with them and really, you know, kind of birth them into discipleship, into Christianity. Or if you're just answering a few questions so that person is really, really seeking, it's just really, I think, that simple. Let's pray.